Welcome into the Monkey Sports Podcast, episode number nine. Today we are brought to you, as always, by our parent company, Monkey Sports. If you use promo code PODCAST10 at checkout, that's the word podcast and the number 10 at checkout, you'll save 10% off all non-map items. Grab that new stick, maybe some new gear, or maybe just upgrade the lacrosse set you've been thinking about. Why not? Give it a shot. 10% off all non-map items. Promo code PODCAST10 at checkout. That's the word podcast and the number 10. Remember, promo code PODCAST10 at checkout. Save 10% off all non-map items. Now, let's jump right into the show. Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome into the Monkey Sports Podcast, episode number nine. Numero nueva. Nueva? Nine? I think so? Spanish? Anyway, my name is Hank Likes. I'm going to be solo podcasting this Joe Rogan style. Jamie, pull that up. Pull that clip up. Just kidding. Don't even have a Jamie. Just me here today. Going to be talking to you guys. We, we're super busy right now with Holiday. A lot of the other cast members just couldn't jump in on the podcast. So you boys got to solo it. Good old producer Hank jumping in here, sacrificing himself for the cause. So going to be a quick little 15, 20 minute episode. Talk some lacrosse, get you out of here on the Tuesday morning. Kind of wanted to jump on here and just talk about lacrosse, my experience with lacrosse. I I don't have much with hockey, baseball, or goalie hockey that much. So jumping right into it, over the last, I would say, two or three years, my view of lacrosse has changed drastically from where I came when I came out of high school and even playing a couple years in college as well. Um, The way I've looked at the game recently from a coaching perspective, from a gear perspective, it's all shifted radically since I I started working here about a year ago in December of last year. Oh, yeah, right out a year ago now, actually. Uh, I think December 1 of 2019 was my first day in office, and I'm still here strong uh, over a year later. One of the biggest things I've noticed from a gear perspective as um, a men's league player still and as a coach is having that good gear is is something that should be appreciated a little bit more. Uh, I'm not saying you need $400 gloves and the craziest chest pad, but investing, I think, in the two biggest things for lacrosse is the player's head and the player's head. And that breaks down to having a good helmet that's going to protect your player and having a good head that you're confident in using past just a season or two, right? Like, I, I see so many youth guys get these heads that are either strung at some shop, not done very well, very quickly and cheaply, or buying pre-strungs from three or four years ago, where, to be honest with you, the quality of pre-strungs was pretty bad up until recently, thanks to String King really stepping in and, and stepping up the, the pre-string game. I know, like, ECD has done as well as some other companies, but String King's the one at the top of my head that I know, like, invested in, we're going to string good sticks. We're going to take the time and make sure that you can buy a $100 intermediate stick, and it's going to work just as well as if you bought a a $90 head and a $200 shaft and did it yourself, right? So I think the evolution of that has been really good to see. Um, I know everyone hates on them, and I know they get a lot of flack for it, but what Warrior did with the warp was ultimately better for the game of lacrosse. Um, I know a lot of people are upset about the warp. They think it's bad. They're like, it's trash. Uh, the first cycle of it was was all right. It had some issues, as every new product will have. But ultimately, from a youth and beginner perspective, I think it's one of the most important things we could have done. It's a head you can buy from day one that you know will work. It's a head that you can buy from day one out of a back chain that's going to hold up in weather and in rain. The problem with a lot of mesh is over a couple years, that stuff's going to start bagging out. Like, no matter how good your mesh is, it's start going to, it's going to start to go a little bit. And the warps have, have proven since their launch that they're great for weather. They're great for water. They they hold their shape very well. And they've got pretty good performance as well for, for a decent, like, $100 intermediate stick for a youth player, like, all day, man. Like, that's great. If you can't have someone string it for you or can't get your hands on some string king or anything, like, 100 bucks warp, man. That's perfect. That'll get it done. Another big thing I've noticed is the carbon shaft takeover. Um, 
I wasn't super familiar with carbon shafts when I stopped playing in 2016. It really hadn't taken over yet. It was still sort of in its infancy. Some guys were using them, but they weren't the most popular thing ever. It was still mostly alloy with where I was playing. But since that time, man, carbon is, is the way to go. That's what I would say probably 50% of the people are using nowadays is a carbon shaft of some kind. Uh, not that it doesn't have its drawbacks. The carbon stuff is definitely more susceptible to snapping. Like with the old alloy shafts, you'd have poles that I would play with that would they'd end up with like a banana shaped shaft, like with a crazy curve on it. And nowadays you don't see that as much. The carbons bend a little bit, but once carbons get to the break point, they're just snapping, like they're gone. Um, that's probably the biggest drawback to the carbon, but they're so light and they're so flexible and they're so easy to use. Like I'm using, I think a Dragonfly 6 D-pole at the highest flex point and it's the lightest thing I've ever used and it's so easy to control. Like I'm mad at myself looking back now for using such heavy shafts my whole career. Cause I was just like, ah, eh, it's fine. It gets it done, it's whatever. I don't really shoot much, but I think ultimately had I had a little bit lighter, something like a carbon back then, I think I could have been even more successful with a D-pole because I always looked at it as I didn't want my parents to have to spend a bunch of money. I didn't want to have, you know, a shaft that was going to break on me and buy something super expensive. So I bought a lot of like intermediate alloy shafts and they were heavy, got it done. Like they're not terrible, but having just that little bit of lightness and a little bit of flex is, is game changing now as a men's league player. Like I can do way more with my stick now than I could back then. I think the last little gear thing I kind of want to get into right now is glove technology. I think... Gloves have hit a really nice point. Like they're all not similar, but we've kind of hit the peak of technology for right now. The ox suede palms are awesome. A lot of the gloves are really great for just their flexibility, their durability. I think any glove you're buying for more than like 100 bucks right now is going to be awesome. Like it's going to last you a while. The only real downside you'll see is the palms will start to go eventually just from if you're playing in water, if you use a lot of tape on your stick, that stuff's going to wear down. But from a comfortability standpoint, like gloves have never been in a better place. Like Even a few years ago, you'd have some pretty ratty gloves that would go out pretty quick. And if you look all the way back in the day, gloves that would go like halfway up your forearm back in like the 90s and early 2000s. So we're at a really good place for light gloves, small gloves that, that get it done. And I think that's been a really cool technological advance where we hit this really sick spot to where Literally any glove you could buy right now is going to be sick. It's going to get the job done. Like that ultimately just comes down to your price point preference and honestly your brand. Like right now, I think I'm rocking with some STX Surgeon 700s and they're really small. They're, they've got a pretty short cuff and I love them because I just run around with the deep hole and I don't get hit much. So just being able to find your preference on gloves has been has been really interesting because even in college when I was playing, like I had super chunky gloves in like 2014. We had some old, I think they were gate gloves before gate left and came back again. They were just a little too big. The cuff kind of came off quick and they were kind of hand me down from the year before us so we went from that to the Under Armour Biofit 2s which I still attest are like one of the best gloves that no one talks about those Biofit 2s were had great flexibility were super easy to use super light great durability and you know it's game changing to go from not an old school glove but to kind of upgrade to a more modern look last little gear thing to hit on here I, I think the helmets are in a really good place right now as well I I've had I've worn a warrior burn I've worn an STX rival I've worn all the cascade stuff I think outside of the perception of like the lax community of like oh only cascade like I like all the helmets right now like I think the rival looks sick I like that the burn went from the weird evo sort of hockey goalie face mask to the more traditional three bar and and the bar down the middle I think we're at a really unique spot to where almost all the the high-end helmets are viable helmets to wear and they're all safe too like the only downside with the rival is it's a little heavy because it's it's a shut helmet which shut makes football helmets so they're a little bit heavier but it's got that technology that's super safe as well and the burn i think for people that have bigger heads if you have a big dongan a big brain the the warrior burn is for you they make an xl version and it fits really well on people with bigger heads i think that's kind of been a drawback of s some other lacrosse helmets in the past is 
if you've got a big noggin, you got a custom order like the CPXR stretch limo, which we do here as well. Um, and I think all the helmets look great as well. I think the rival as a team helmet looks super sick. I know a lot of the college programs that wear them, like they look good. They've come a long way from like the stallion a few years ago. So I, I think helmet wise, it's great. And of course, you know, the Cascade S is looked at as the premier helmet. It's got corner of the, the quintessential lacrosse look now with the with the duck fin in the back and all that kind of stuff so back in the day before we were at the r and the s and everyone loved all the cascade back in the days of the pro seven uh days of yesteryear the cpxr was the first of those cascade helmets to have the little duck bill in the back and i wore one i think my sophomore you know my freshman year in 2010 in high school and I got chirped relentlessly because I was the only one that had a helmet with a little bill. Everyone else was rocking a Pro 7 or their old like youth helmet. And for me, it's just kind of funny to come full circle and see that helmet as seen as like the premier helmet to wear now, which I think is kind of funny with the duck bill. I'm not sure if the fin provides like more aerodynamic or whatever. I'm, I'm not sure how much it helps like a spoiler on a car, but it's definitely become like the premier thing and what everyone wants in a helmet and sort of the, for lack of a better word, the look of lacrosse now. So from a helmet perspective, I think we're in a really good place. I love all the gloves right now. The all the shafts, the carbon is is legit. And if you haven't tried a carbon shaft, you got to give it a go. It's it's pretty game changing from a flex perspective and just from a general use perspective. Last couple things before we get out of here, just kind of wanted to look back on my own career and sort of my own playing days, what things were like, even what feels like the the beginning of modern lacrosse. Uh, for me personally, I feel like lacrosse really hit its modern stride. And we've talked about this before on the podcast around 2010, 2011, uh, not only with the rule changes. So for those who don't know, in like 2010, 11, we used to have a rule called the horn, which was they would literally blow an air horn and you could substitute everyone on the field immediately. Like it would essentially be a timeout and you would just switch all your players, kind of like in basketball when the ball goes out like a side out or also in volleyball as well. Um, when the horn went away and when the head rules changed so back in the day, you used to be able to have like crazy pinched heads. Now the rule is it has to be like three inches across at the bottom and six inches across at the top. That's the minimum and the maximum. Back in the day, you could pinch a head to get it to like one or two inches across. It was crazy. The ball would never come out. And also we had the uh, the shooting strings. You could have a U. So you could have the strings go across different diamond rows and create sort of that U effect. You'll see pro players still doing it in box lacrosse and in field sometimes. And it is uh, sort of game changing from a lacrosse perspective. It just sped the game up. And I think once we sort of hit that peak, lacrosse was kind of peaking with viewership i know like memorial day weekend all that stuff was like on espn and espn 2 the game had hit a nice stride like when duke beat you know notre dame in the championship that year like that's when modern lacrosse really happened to me and from then on it's it's come to a crazy place where the game is just so fast like even now with the new face-off rules which say what you want about those like that's going to speed up how quick guys are getting out of the draw We've seen even with the Olympic rules where they've thought about changing it to where it's almost like basketball, like lacrosse is trying to get to this point to where it's very up and down. I don't know if that's like a barrier to entry thing that people are interested in, but it's definitely have from a rules perspective what people are trying to do with the game is just make it quicker, make it faster, make it more up and down. Because I think what you've seen from a lot of other sports is people want to see scoring. Like ultimately the NBA scoring has gone crazy up. They've changed all the defensive rules to let you do whatever you want offensively they took away hand checking they did all that kind of stuff in the nfl we've seen dbs and defenses just get completely killed by the new rules right like all the pass interference and the stuff that you can do with receivers and how you can hit the quarterback and scoring's gone way up and viewership i mean covid 
you know, sort of put to the side has only gone up since the NFL is really focused on offense. And I think lacrosse is trying to get to that point as well. I think ultimately people want to see the ball in the back of the net and see their team celebrating. And since sort of that modern shift of lacrosse in like 2010-11, I, th- I think we're in a really good place right now from a sport perspective on the men's side. Uh, women's side, there's still a bunch of rules. It's still a little slow personally for my liking, but I think women's lacrosse is really cool because it's its own thing. I think women's lacrosse is almost a different sport entirely. They use the same ball and the same goals. But the rules are different, the sticks are different, sort of how you move about the field and play offense is completely different. When I was younger, I used to think that was a bad thing. I thought that, why not just give the girls pads and let them play the same game? But I think it's been really cool to see that game evolve into such a a really cool, for lack of a better word, finesse and skill game, right? It's their off-ball movement is really cool. The way that they're able to use their sticks in tight in traffic, the you know between the leg shots and all that stuff is just taken over in girls across. And I think it's really cool to see where that game's gone and how they focus so much on the ability to use that stick to a higher level rather than some level of physicality, which men's lacrosse has kind of fallen into sometimes. Like they've really taken the stick as the great equalizer to the fullest extent, and I think that's really cool. And I'm really glad that we have women's lacrosse the way it is because. It's, it's a really hard game to get into, but once you do, like mastering that skill set, mastering that, that stick specifically, is it's like watching wizardry out there. Like if you watch a good woman's team and a good woman's player, it's, it's insane what they can do with a stick that is half the pocket depth of most men's sticks. So I really like where the women's lacrosse is as well. You know, I I'd like I wish they would have a little less whistles and let the game flow a little bit more, but I think younger me would have liked those pads and seen more physicality, but... The older I've gotten, the more I've watched it, the more I appreciate sort of that skill and, and and that ability to play their game at such a high level. So last little thing before we get out of here, kind of want to talk about recruiting, finding your home, finding the right college for you. Yes, finding your home is very important, and I'm going to get into that right now. I think a lot of uh, guys and girls, when they are trying to figure out, oh, I want to play lacrosse in college, they just look at it as, in my experience, I'm a D1 player and I'm going to go to school X, Y, or Z. And they limit themselves, right? Or they're like, oh, I'm a Big Ten lacrosse player. Oh, I should be in the Ivy League. You know, and, and they've sort of set their own expectations, which is good to have. You want to set goals, but you don't want that kind of stuff to limit you. I've seen so many lacrosse players who could have been incredible Division Two and Division Three players, or even MCLA players for that, that have been like, I'm D1 only. And if I don't get any with D1 offerships, I'm just going to go to my state school. I'm not going to play it unless it's at this super high level. And I think a lot of the times we lose sight of what's best for us, what what would be the ultimate goal of in four to five years? Where do I want to end up being? Where do I want to graduate from? What degree do I want? What experience do I want in college to take on to the next level? And by the next level, I mean like professionally post-playing career. Uh, a lot of schools you have to look at, you know, if you're someone who wants to go to school and enjoy the social life and enjoy the party life, if that school doesn't have that, maybe it's not the right choice for you or you're the opposite and you just want, kind of want to focus on school and lacrosse. You want to go to a program that doesn't emphasize that as much or, or doesn't have as much of that night scene so that you can just kind of focus on what you need to focus on. And the biggest thing that everyone always talks about is is find the place that has the best major for you. Find the place that has the best program from an academic standpoint as well as an, an athletic standpoint, right? Like if you're in a, a goalie and you're going to a program that has a five-star recruit who's a sophomore a starter as a senior and a junior who just transferred in, like maybe that's not the right place for you, right? Unless you think you're going to beat them out. It's it's just something that you have to keep in mind as well. For me personally, I when I was going to college, my biggest things were I wanted to go to a new program that was developing because I wanted to be a part of history. Uh, I wanted to go somewhere where I had a chance to play, like not right away, but I had a chance to compete to play. And I wanted to go to a place that had a radio station. That was literally it. Like I, that was kind of my three big things. It was new program to make some history, 
chance to play early if, if I did the right things, and then a place that had a radio station academically, because I really wanted to get into radio. And here I'm doing a podcast five years later, so same kind of vibes. Um, and that, for me, ended up being Lindenwood University up in St. Charles, and that was a Division two program. And I was someone who was not highly recruited, not highly touted. Um, I got recruited off of a summer, not camp, but like a camp tournament where they throw you together with a bunch of random kids here locally in Texas. And that summer, I wasn't even going to play. And it just came off of, I had a coach be like, hey man, like, why not just play the summer, see what happens. And that resulted in me getting a chance to go to school that I, I really enjoyed. I didn't end up playing for very long. I only did two years and then school kind of got in the way and decided that was the primary goal. But from a academic standpoint, it was perfect. I, I love my communications program. I love my professors. It was awesome. And from a lacrosse perspective, I really enjoyed the time I had as well. I thought it was a good program as a new program. I got to play behind a very good player in my first year, a chance to compete for a job my second year. And, you know, ultimately you just have to find your home. You have to find the place that you're comfortable. Like if it's too far from your parents and you can't travel back and forth, maybe that's not right, the right place for you. Or if you want to get as far away from your hometown as possible and everyone you know, like look as far away as possible, right? Like do what's best for you, but also keep in mind what is that program is going to do best for you as well. What is that school going to give back to you with a degree? What sort of opportunities are available to you? What sort of athletic opportunities are you going to have? Are you going to get a chance to play? Are you going to be a backup? You have to look at everything from a very top-down perspective. A lot of people look at it from a very narrow I want to play ACC, I go here. They're not looking at it as, oh, there's four All-Americans in front of me, I'm never going to play, or if that doesn't matter to them, they don't look at the academic side as hard as they probably should. Like, oh, I'm a first year starter. Who cares? Coaches told me I'm the starting, you know, faceoff guy or whatever. And, you know, maybe their business school isn't what you want it to be. Maybe they don't have a pre-law program. Maybe you want to go into nursing and that's not available at that school. Like, keep that stuff in mind as well. It's it's the whole package. You need to be 100% comfortable in where you are and you need to make sure that that place is going to make you the best person you're going to be. Because ultimately college, and at least here in the States, is is a very formative time. And if you can find a place that's good for you and it's going to help you down the road, like you should take it. Thank you once again for listening to the Monkey Sports Podcast. Don't forget, we are brought to you by our parent company, Monkey Sports. If you use promo code PODCAST10 at checkout, the word PODCAST and the number 10 at checkout, you'll save 10% off on non-MAP items. Save a little bit of money headed into the holiday season and let them know that you're listening to us as well. That's promo code PODCAST10 at checkout, PODCAST and the number 10 at checkout. Save 10% off all non-MAP items. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast today. I appreciate you getting to sit down with me. You got a little intimate there the last five minutes or so, so hopefully it wasn't too much of just a stream of consciousness and made some sense. Uh, We'll see you next week for episode 10. Have a good one.